Carly Simon in the 70s said, these are the good old days. Isn't it scary how true that has become? Because, well, except for the hair and the clothes, you know what doesn't go out of style? The truth. And we're TNN. We deal exclusively in the truth. And your master of the zeitgeist is Dan Newman. Well, we try here. That's exactly what we do every day as we try to find these nuggets of truth. Maybe a different version from the normal quote-unquote truth that we hear from our news. Well, today couldn't be a better day to illustrate that very fact. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. No, it's not a day to get unhappy, to be down in the dumps. It's never a day for that. Just thank God you've got today. Thank God that you woke up on the right side of the dirt. You haven't assumed yet room temperature. Those are bad signs. Good signs, this is another day that we can wake up and be thankful that we woke up, plus a whole lot of other things. Yeah, there's a lot of bad things going on around us in our world, a lot of evil around us in our world, a lot of evil people around us in our world, and we're going to get into some of that today. Remember Tuesdays, our second hour, at the top of that second hour, Steve Baker joins us. Steve is just about to head from North Carolina back to Washington, D.C. He's going to be here to tell us the latest about his own little conundrum with the FBI and the Department of Justice. But in our first hour, I'm going to break something down that is going to shock many of you. A couple of months ago, Dunstan Teo, and many of you, most of you know who Dunstan is. He is probably the owner of the most Bitcoin on the planet. He's a spirit-filled Christian man. He's Asian, but he's a friend of mine. And he is the premier expert in everything to do with digital currency. He is known worldwide as being the guy. He came on our show. If you remember that time when Sam Bankman Freed and uh, his crypto exchange company, FTX, were busted after they surreptitiously siphoned away billions of people's money, very famous people included in that. And when I say a lot of money, millions from one, one, just one NFL quarterback. But Dunstan came to tell us, and he called me wanting me to know about it, whether or not I put him on the show. I decided to put him on the show the next day. And he broke down what that FTX debacle was about and who was involved in where the money went. Hmm. I've got about 10 minutes of that interview. I want you to hear that. So we are going to have a busy Monday. And yes, our president, former President Donald Trump, was indicted for the fourth time late yesterday. This time, of course, on charges related to the 2020 election down in Georgia. So we're going to get into that, and let me say this, going in now, I want to tell you, 
the perspective we're going to look at those indictments that came down last night from are not going to be the perspective of a Fox News or a Newsmax or even Dan Newman. I want you to hear what the left did and the way they broke it down when they promoted, actually promoted the fact that Donald Trump got in trouble again down in Georgia. Oh, it's going to be a full day, isn't it? Yeah, we can kind of look ahead toward the weekend. Maybe Saturday in the park. This may be the happiest three minutes of your morning. Enjoy it. Pat your hands. Selling 
the biggest hits of the 1970s version of Chicago, the group out of Chicago that first started their get-together, their band calling themselves Chicago Transit Authority, which if you know anything about Chi-Town, that's the bus system, uh, the subway system, the train system up there, and they sued the group Chicago and made them drop that name. So they just simply became the group Chicago. Good morning again for those of you that tuned in during that song. We are going to, in just a moment, we're going to get into very little, but going to give you the important pieces of what happened in the latest Trump debacle. This one out of the state of Georgia happened last night. And we have some very special things today. Top of the second hour, Steve Baker joins us just before he heads out to Washington, D.C. But in this half hour, right after I give you a version of the left media about the Trump indictments last night, we're going to dig into something that Dunstan Teo came on this show a few months ago and talked about in the aftermath of saying uh, Sam Bankman freed and his crypto exchange FTX that robbed Americans and a lot of other people that came from different countries of billions of dollars in a cryptocurrency FTX exchange fraud, Dunstan came aboard not to talk so much about that particular event, but where did a bunch of that FTX cryptocurrency that disappeared all around the world, where did a bunch of it go to and who was involved in it? Now, let your imagination roam for a second. We'll get to that right after this. Now, remember I told you I'm going to give you a version of the Trump stuff from last night from a leftist media. I want you to see and hear what most people in the United States, the version of what happened yesterday and last night, how they say it happened and what it meant. So are you ready? Let's go. Trump rages. The witch hunt continues as he is charged with operating a criminal enterprise to overturn 2020 election in Georgia with 18 other co-defendants, including Rudy Giuliani. Faces 13 charges, does Trump, including RICO, and 71 years in jail. Now that's the headline on the story. So let's get their version, and I'm going to give it to you verbatim. Donald Trump was indicted on Monday in Georgia for his alleged roles in trying to overturn the 2020 election with prosecutors using statutes normally seen in mob trials and accusing the former president of being head of a criminal organization. Fannie Willis, Fannie spelled F-A-N-I, and you need to remember that name. You're going to hear that a lot coming out of this debacle in Georgia. Fannie Willis, the district attorney for Fulton County, Georgia, secured the 41-count indictment from a grand jury on Monday and told a press conference the indictment alleged, quote, violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the election in this state. 
Trump called her an out-of-control and very corrupt district attorney and declared that the charges were part of a witch hunt. The case, relying on laws typically used to bring down mobsters, is the fourth targeting the 77-year-old Republican this year and could lead to a watershed moment, the first televised trial of a former president in U.S. history. So here's what Trump tweeted. So, the witch hunt continues. 19 people indicted tonight, including the former president of the United States, me, by an out-of-control and very corrupt district attorney who campaigned and raised money on I will get Trump. And what about those indictment documents put out today, long before the grand jury even voted, and then quickly withdrawn? Sounds rigged to me. Why didn't they indict two and a half years ago? Because they wanted to do it right in the middle of my political campaign, witch hunt. Trump was charged with 18 others. Rudy Giuliani, John Eastman, Mark Meadows, Ken Cheeseborough, Jeffrey Clark, Jenna Ellis, Ray Smith III, Robert Cheeley, Michael Roman, David Schaefer, Sean Still, Stephen Lee, Harrison Floyd, Trevian Cootie, Sidney Powell, Kathleen Latham, Scott Hall, and Misty Hampton. The DA, Willis. Willis said she wants to try them all at the same time. They have until noon on August 25th to turn themselves in or else an arrest warrant will be issued. There are also 30 unindicted co-conspirators, people accused of being part of the plot but not named or charged. John Dean, who served as Richard Nixon's White House counsel before turning and testifying against him, helping to bring him down, told CNN that the allegations against Trump were much more serious than Watergate. Trump was charged with RICO, racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations, account which is frequently used to try mafia figures, cartel leaders, and gangland bosses. He is also charged with solicitation, uh, solicitation a violation of oath by a public officer, conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree, perjury, and a host of other counts. If convicted on all charges, he faces 71 years in prison and state charges, unlike federal, cannot be pardoned by a president. Trump called Willis a rabid partisan, but on Monday night, she told the press conference, quote, I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. The law is nonpartisan. We look at the facts, we look at the law, and we bring charges. Willis declined to say whether she had spoken with Special Prosecutor Jack Smith, who has indicted Trump on federal charges attempting to overturn the election. She said the time frame for the Georgia trial was up to the judge. Quote, this office will be submitting a proposed scheduling order. However, it will be at the discretion of the judge, she said. Asked if she wanted her case to be tried before or after Smith's, she replied, I don't have any desire to be first or last. Trump's attorneys Drew Feindling, Jennifer Little, and Marisa Goldberg described the indictment as shocking and absurd. 
They pointed out that the indictment was briefly published online hours before it was officially filed and said it forced Willis to rush through the charges. In light of this major fumble, the Fulton County District Attorney's Office clearly decided to force through and rush this 98-page indictment, they said. This one-sided grand jury presentation relied on witnesses who harbor their own personal and political interests, some of whom ran campaigns touting their efforts against the accused and or profited from book deals and employment opportunities as a result. We look forward to a detailed review of this indictment, which is undoubtedly just as flawed and unconstitutional as this entire process has been. Trump also referenced the leaked indictment, saying it suggested the case was rigged. So the witch hunt continues, he wrote on True Social. Why didn't they indict two and a half years ago? Because they wanted to do it right in the middle of my political campaign. Witch hunt. Giuliani, in a statement issued by an advisor, called the indictment an affront to American democracy that does permanent, irrevocable harm to our justice system. The former New York City mayor and Trump lawyer called it just the next chapter in a book of lies with the purpose of framing President Donald Trump and anyone willing to take on the ruling regime. The real criminals here are the people who have brought this case forward both directly and indirectly, he said. Giuliani, while working as the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, was famed for his use of the RICO laws to prosecute mob bosses, the very charges that are now filed against him. All 19 defendants were charged with violation of the RICO Act, usually used to charge a group of people and a ringleader. Willis has said she likes the RICO statute because it allows prosecutors to paint a more complete picture of the alleged illegal activity. Alleged being the operative word in that. We could go on and on and on. And this, I'm not going to tell you which leftist news site this came from, but it is so obviously slanted toward the left. The only people that could stomach listening to this or reading this would be people of that same mindset. Defendant Donald John Trump lost the United States presidential election held on November 3rd, 2020. That's the way the 98-page indictment begins. One of the states he lost was Georgia. Trump and the other defendants charged in this indictment refused to accept that Trump lost. And they knowingly and willfully joined a conspiracy to unlawfully change the outcome of the election in favor of Trump. That conspiracy contained a common plan and purpose to commit two or more acts of racketeering activity in Fulton County, Georgia, elsewhere in the state of Georgia, and in other states. The indictment spells out in a series of acts the actions of the accused. That's enough. That's enough of that. Normally, in this case, what we always do is I would take that 98-page indictment and I would publish it on truthnewsnet.org's home page of our website. Not going to do it. 
Not going to do it because it's crap. It's horrible. Is there any reason to just go over the edge over this? Absolutely not. Why? Let me just say this. I'm a Christian. I'm a practicing Christian. I believe God is there. I believe God is real. I believe he wants to help us in our lives in any time and every time we turn to him through prayer and ask for and listen, we're going to be okay. And I believe Donald Trump is going to be okay. Once again, my disclaimer, I do not like the way Trump messages much of his content. I feel very strongly he could tune it down, be less abrasive, and could reach more people. However, substantively, when it comes to everything to deal with what he did in his four years in the White House and what he's done since and what he did before he even ran, the man loves people. And it's not evident by him saying, I love people. The evidence is what he has done through the years. And I'm not going to get into that. I'm just saying. I'm telling you where I'm coming from. I believe in all of this stuff, he's going to be vindicated by what? By the truth. By the truth. I have not seen anything or heard anything firsthand whatsoever that justifies, and I can't think of a better term to use than his term, witch hunt that he's been going through and continues to go through, all because of a threat that this man, who when he was campaigning for president, told us the things that he would do if he was elected. And he, more so than any other president in my lifetime, did, when he was president, Everything he said he was going to do while he campaigned. The only stuff he didn't do was the stuff he could not get consensus from the United States Congress, which on those few things, they had to weigh in. And they didn't weigh in, so he couldn't get it done. Nobody has done that. Donald Trump is honest when he's even brutal. Is he a man? Is he flawed? Does he make mistakes? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's no exemption for Donald Trump and not for me or you either. But does that mean we destroy anybody that messes up, makes a mistake? And I'm not saying he messed up or made a mistake in all of this. The only mistake I think he made was thinking he could do it by himself and the people that he surrounded himself with that others had pointed to and said, these are the right people for these positions. He found out very quickly. The swamp is inhabited by swamp critters. And if it lives in a swamp, it is a critter. And it's likely going to turn on you and bite you if it disagrees with you in any way. Everything 
everything that you can think of that has happened back in the Russia, Russia, Russia collusion, Vladimir Putin, Donald Trump, you name it. All of those things that were thrown out there that were debunked by facts over and over and over again. And you line those up in comparison to what happened from all those people on the left, big name people, and what they did. Hillary Clinton, I don't need to go through the litany of things that she did. Multiple felony acts, multiple instances of breaking the law and bringing people of power in with her part of that process. One of them, former President Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton had an illegal server at her home. And because the Department of Justice didn't know it was there, hadn't sent their people out to certify it as being okay to use, every email, every text that was sent or received on or by that server was a felony act, according to federal law. 30,000 emails from that server, Hillary Clinton, even after those emails were under subpoena, they deleted them, deleted the hard drive. You go to jail for way, way, way less than that. We could go on and on, by the way, Barack Obama, not even his staff knew, but he had his own Gmail account. I forget what his name was, his handle for his Gmail account. But he received and sent emails to Hillary Clinton on the, and from that illegal server. And then we find out, and we got to whisper this because we don't want them to get in trouble. We found out that every, every email text that was sent or received by that server was also sent to a foreign IP address in China. Justice in the United States is supposed to be equal for every person. It is not so. In this United States of America, we find ourselves living in today is the epitome of a den of thieves and a pit of vipers in leadership. How do you really feel about it, Dan? I'm being nice. (laughs) I am being nice. And you know why I'm being nice? I'm a Christian. I told you that. God said, pray for them who are in places of authority over you. And my foster brother and my pastor, Denny Duran, he put it better than any way I've ever heard anybody do it. He said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's close. When I get on a jet to fly, I may not like the pilot. I may have seen the pilot getting on, and I just didn't think much of him, but guess what? I want him to be successful. I want him to give all of us, my fellow passengers and me, a great trip. 
and that we land on the other end safe and sound. That's somebody that's in authority over you, at least during that trip. We're supposed to pray for those that are in authority over us. So instead of us standing back and throwing rocks at everybody in Congress, everybody in the FBI, everybody in the White House, or any of those people that you feel like you want to throw rocks at. Instead of doing that, spare the rock throwing. This morning, I prayed for President Joe Biden at 6 o'clock this morning in a prayer meeting I do every morning. I prayed for Joe Biden. I prayed for Donald Trump. I want the truth to be what their lives depend on, their futures depend on, just like I want the same thing for me and for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I could give you thousands of illustrations looking back in my life of 70 years of instances where I thought I'd do a better job than anybody else holding somebody accountable for something they did wrong to me. And so I tried, and every time I messed up and it did not work out good. But when I gave it over to God, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, and let him handle it, let him handle them. I stayed out of the the fray. I always felt a lot better. I felt a lot cleaner. If for no other reason, I did the right thing. So where does that put us? It puts us back on our knees again if you're praying people. Because we've got to pray for truth. We've got to pray for honesty. We've got to pray for exposure of all of those who are genuinely corrupt in our political system. I asked this morning for God to shine the light of exposure on all of them. I don't care what their political party affiliation is. I want people representing me in Congress and in the White House and in the FBI and the CIA in every department of my government. I want people that are honest and will tell the truth no matter how tough it is to swallow. And you know why we need that? When we know the truth, go back to the Bible. What does it say? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth will set you free. Not whatever little framework you can put a response in that makes you look like maybe you didn't do it quite so bad. Or you embellish and make it look like you did it really, really much better than you really did it. You don't have to get up on your high horse. You don't have to get up there and tell people how good a person you are. Live your life in openness. And when you do that, guess what happens every time? It all works out. It all works out. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So if I'm going to trust somebody, I think I'd rather trust the creator of the world than just a random politician or news person. 
What about you? Okay. I am done talking about last night. There's no more that we can add to this conversation. I know that a lot of people tuned in early from around the U.S., some from out of the country. That happens every day here. And if you want to leave, I want you to go ahead and leave. But I want you to hear who is up next. We're going to take a break. On the other side of this break, Dunstan Teo is coming back. And I pulled the segment of a conversation he and I had live on the air months ago after the Sam Bankman-Fried FTX crypto exchange crashed and mysteriously tens of billions of Americans and other nationality people, cryptocurrency disappeared. This is not the conversation with Dunstan Teo, who is the foremost cryptocurrency expert on the planet, a good friend of mine, very good friend of mine, a Christian. He owns more Bitcoin than any other person on earth. There was much more to what happened when FTX was obliterated. There were tens of billions of dollars in individuals' crypto accounts. A exchange, a crypto exchange is just like a stockbroker's office, like Merrill Lynch, where investors, you open accounts there, you send your money, they invest your money for you and they manage it. Make sure you make money on that end. That's what these cryptocurrency exchanges are supposed to do the same thing. Obviously, FTX, Sam Bankman, Freeds, didn't do it. But where did all that money go? Where did it go? In the light of everything that's happening on the globe right now, in your world, in my world, in the United States, and around the world. What have I always told you, faithful listeners here? Anytime there's controversy and you're trying to find out why and what, follow the money. Follow the money. I'm going to play probably 10, maybe 12 minutes tops of that conversation with Dunstan, and he, the expert, tells us where that money went. It will blow your mind. That's next. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody puts baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Eight celebrities compete to become the real baby and Johnny. Where my Johnny is? Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The Real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Little Caesars Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring $6.49 in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesars. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesars Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just $6.49. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus tax. 
ABC Tonight. It's all about big cash. Here we go! And big crash. <laughs> On the new season of Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, one star will spin it. Give me some money! To win it all. The big winner of $1 million. <laughs> Then, host Leslie Jones is off to the races on Supermarket Sweep. On your cart, get set, yeah! And we're going to need a cleanup on every aisle. You are on fire! It all starts tonight, 8, 7 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. What? Crawl or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. But act now, or later, because these Staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts, like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest Staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing, everyday price cuts. Thank you. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. All right, back at it. December the 1st. This past December 1st is when we first aired. It was a live conversation I had with Dunstan Teo. And the conversation was an explanation for all of our audience about cryptocurrency not being evil, but it's just like everything else. People, people make all kinds of things that are okay on their own, not the people, but the things, but they take them and pervert them and use them. The love of money is the root of all evil. So we're going to pick up in this conversation where Dunstan has walked us through about cryptocurrency and explained what these exchanges are and identified who Sam Bankman-Fried is and what this was all about. And so... I want you to listen to it all the way through, and then I'll have some quick comments on the end of it. They're working with FTX. How so? So so this is where the history of the creation of FTX would be interesting. I will not draw any conclusions. I'll allow the audience to draw their own conclusions. <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Uh, I, I, let me just, let me just tell the people that are listening in. You and I had this, this conversation and I told you, look, we're, we're in a situation. This is a streaming radio show. Uh, the FCC does not have any say, so there's, I, I want you to be comfortable to name names, give us specifics because people that are listening, many of are people who have bought crypto for the very first time and have been part of what, and are part of what you and I are involved in, and some other things. And I want them to understand this is not about cryptocurrency being evil. It's about people being evil. So why don't you just launch into telling us the history of this FTX thing and how we got to where we are? 
Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna add a bit more to what you just said. Man. Okay, it's not just about people being evil; it's about world leaders being evil right now, which is as bad as it can get. So, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Sam, the the founder and the creator of FTX and his family, okay. and how somebody like him. Raise so much capital to create FTX, and how many of the major funds on earth, many of the major investment funds like the Tomasic Holding of Singapore and so on, invested in him. It's not him being eloquent. He's not eloquent. <laughs> He's not. Just look at him on YouTube, <laughs> listen to the podcast, and you know it's not about him being convincing or eloquent. But take a look. We now have Sam Bankman fried. His mom works for the Clinton Foundation, including his brother. That's the first thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the CEO of FTX is the daughter of an MIT professor who is the best friend of the head of the SEC. That doesn't sound very good to me. It doesn't, and it gets worse. Okay. Funds from the from the FTX treasury were used to lobby the SEC to work against the crypto companies, which was the reason why when when the head of Binance, which is CZ, heard about it, he was pissed. And he spread it out in public what was done. Where Sam Bankman fried actually lobbied the SEC against the industry that he was in. Why would he do that? Because he was never for crypto. He was always for fiat and he was always working as an agent of the SEC, as an agent for the political powers. This is uncanny. I mean, this may be the biggest financial fraud in world history. It is. And interestingly, looking at the money flow, look at the funds that went from the exchange and to which administration did he funded during the campaign? Well, you and I know the answer to that was a Democrat administration. Mm-hmm. They funded the, the Biden campaign. He was the third or second largest funder in the campaign. Okay. I'm, now, my, wheels, my, my wheels are turning <laughs> as you're telling me this. I'm thinking about things that happened. This, this, is, this is amazing, Dunstan. It explains a lot. It, it, it gives me kind of assurance that some of the things I thought just didn't seem right. I'm beginning to understand why they 
don't seem right. They weren't right. Keep, please, it is. please keep going on. And then, you know, we, we know people like, like George Soros, the World Economic Forum, and so on, and you know how evil they are. Yes. Now, what, what is going on is they have connections together. In, in fact, the FTX was actually one of the sponsors of the World Economic Forum. One of the main sponsors. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, the, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. A couple of other, a couple of other nasty stuff would be this. The current administration, I don't want to say which administration, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. The current administration used FTX to send funds to the Ukrainian war situation. I call it a war campaign. No, wait a minute. None. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. The administration used FTX in exchange that is not a good... A when, crypto exchange. Yeah, crypto exchange. Not, uh, not even, you know, any of the other financial institutes, like, you know, the traditional ones and so on. So where, Most of the funds were sent to FTX, where, to Ukraine. Where did this this money that was used by the administration to send, to put it in crypto, to send it to Ukraine, where did that come from? Is that taxpayer money? Well, I wouldn't directly say that it's taxpayer money. I'm quite sure that we can all draw our parallels. <laughs> And we can all ask the correct questions until the truth comes to light. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because we're discovering something that makes too much sense. And the fact that it and, does is scary. And it's not in millions of dollars. It's in billions of dollars. So let me let, fact, let, let me ask he you. He was also working. Yeah, in fact, he was also working with the people who were trying to replace crypto with central bank digital currencies. Which is one thing the United States government is in the process of doing. Yep. So <laughs> we don't need to ask too much questions regarding all these when Part by part, these are coming out to light. Oh my gosh! So let me let me just kind of back up and and um, the United States government has announced numerous times over the last six months, the Biden administration is sending billions of dollars to Ukraine, more billions of dollars to Ukraine, more billions to Ukraine. Most of it is not going like in direct funds, but they're sending military equipment, uh, planes, uh, weapons, et cetera, et cetera. Are you saying that this money this that uh, gets it, it's turned to crypto, but it starts somewhere in fiat dollars? That's all the U.S. Correct. government has. Those fiat dollars instead of going directly to Ukraine, we're being, and 
and I'm trying to be careful. You know, again, I'm not afraid of anybody <laughs> listening in. You know exactly the question I'm going to ask. Is it? He the- goes to FTX first. <laughs> God. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So we've got George Soros. He's involved in it. World Economic Forum. Yes. Um, we have... I'll just say this. We've got the Obama-Biden people involved in it. The Clintons. And we have the Clintons involved in it. Yep. And interestingly, Sam's mom and his brother just stepped down from working for the Clintons. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) I wonder why. I don't know, man, but I'm expecting... um, I'm expecting some people to be put in jail in a high security prison, and yet they will be able to kill themselves in the high security prison. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) I know that we're not done yet. Keep going. I'm going to stop right there. If you were here on December the 1st, you heard that live interview. Many of you weren't here, and I get asked all the time, hey, listen, I heard Dunstan came on your show and talked about this FTX when it blew up and Sam Bankman freed and there was corruption around it. Can you give us the details of it? Let me just fast track and kind of, uh, in a synopsis, tell you what Dunstan exposed. And by the way, all of what he said, everything that he said, according to him, offline, but everything he said has been documented. It is known by people in multiple governments, people in our government that are pro-administration people, but also others. Dunstan's purpose for bringing this here is because he does not like the fact that this has been phrased to look like, the FTX fall has been phased to look like cryptocurrency is evil. And it's not. In fact, the way FTX was structured and was operating is the antithesis to the documents that founded and initially created cryptocurrency in the beginning, which is this line, if you ever think about cryptocurrency, ever think about getting a part of it, this is the line you need to know and should be the only reason you do it. When you purchase cryptocurrency, it goes into what's called a wallet. And the wallet has to be created online by you. And nobody can access your wallet. Nobody can. I found out the hard way, and I won't tell you the story about it, but I found out the hard way. Dunstan said it was created to give individuals around the world sovereignty over their own money. No bank can control it. No government can control it. Did you hear that? No government can control it. 
If you own Bitcoin as one today, the federal government, unless you give them access to look at it, they don't know if you have cryptocurrency and if you do, how much you have and what different crypto coins do you have in it. Individual sovereignty. But as always happens, when something good comes into the marketplace for the people of nations, governments always find a way to get their hands in the kitty. So right now, as we're speaking, our government is about to open up and push out a U.S. crypto dollar, which they tell us will be so user-friendly. You'll be able to use it everywhere, but guess what it does? It's just like putting money in your bank account today. They can access it. Literally, they can access it. I don't, I don't want to go any further. I wanted to bring these points out to you. As we are about to send $200 million more million to Ukraine, according to President Biden, before he goes to his second week in a row of vacation, this one at Lake Tahoe, it will go in crypto. Now, why would they be doing this in cryptocurrency? Partially so they can control all or part of where it goes. But the justification is the banking system in Ukraine is obliterated and has been since the beginning of the war. And so this was the way they could get it to the people who need to have access to buy the things that are best for the Ukrainian people. Who would those people be? Principally, President Volodymyr Zelensky. What Dunstan did confirm is in that initial cash that the United States, cash, it wasn't cash, it was crypto, but the initial money that went did not all go to Ukraine. Some went to the Clinton Foundation. Some went to Biden's campaign. A massive amount went there. Facts matter. And you can think that through. Come up with your own thoughts and circle around it. But now you know you have the seed of truth that has not been countered in any way. Multiple people that are cryptocurrency experts that I've spoken to confirm it too. Our financial relationship with Ukraine is corrupt. It's corrupt. Well, what a way to start today's show, the first, this part of the first hour. And in about five minutes, we'll have Steve Baker, and I'm sure he's listening in. But Steve's going to bring us another conundrum in another part of our news. TNN, the Truth News Network. A wild-caught filio fish and a sizzly double cheeseburger. Well, they are two classics that never go out of style. Hold on. Wait. You're assembling a Surf Plus Turf McDonald's hack, which must make you a menu hacker. Yes, the Surf Plus Turf, available only on the McDonald's app. 
you get free medium fries and a drink. Oh, someone opened the app. I need to order and build one immediately. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. I thought this would get your spirit in a little lighter place. Oh, Pee Wee Herman, we're going to miss him. He passed away a couple of weeks ago. This was his uh, theme song, Tequila. Well, well, well. Just one little thing we didn't get into at the top of the show when we were talking about the latest indictments in the Donald Trump debacle. These came out of Georgia. You remember that claim that mainstream media has been spewing for months and months and months now? In fact, almost daily, at least weekly, since the 2020 election was over. Quoting former President Trump as saying, find me the votes. Remember, he's talking to the Secretary of State of Georgia on the phone saying, you know, 15,000 votes, that was a difference for me. 15,000 votes in Georgia. Go find me the votes. That's what the mainstream media have been saying. But guess what Trump did say? In the context of going back and looking at the election results in Georgia, talking again to the Secretary of State of Georgia, who's over the election results and everything to do with elections, Trump said this, and this is a direct quote, I just want to find, instead of what the mainstream media and leftist Democrats like Adam Schiff and even the majority leader in the Senate are saying that Trump said, go find me the votes. In other words, the inference is there. Hey, go change some votes. You're a Republican, which the Secretary of State, Raffensperger, is a Republican. They wanted, the media wanted, the Democrats wanted every American to think that Trump said, whatever it takes, you go find me the votes necessary to overturn the election. Trump said in context, man, I just want to find the votes if they're there. I just want to find them. Truth matters. Well, to most people. (laughs) It doesn't matter to some people. And especially... Those people don't like it when it's going to make them look, um, you know, 
a little worse than they would like to look. Well, we're dialing our buddy up in North Carolina. Good morning. Hi there, buddy in North Carolina. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Steve Baker joins us now from North Carolina. He's about to put the hammer down and head back to D.C. Before we launch into what you uh, are going to bring to us today, I don't I know you were on with Glenn Beck before you came on the show, so you probably didn't get to listen to much of what we talked about. But um, this whole thing happened down in Georgia. I can't get yeah. my arms around it. We we went into the show today. I told them, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. And I actually brought the story to the people directly from the website Daily Mail. And I wanted the people to hear what most news outlets on the left, the way they are portraying all of this when they report on it. And it certainly is not a very good, honest report in the Daily Mail today. And, of course, every other major leftist outlet's doing it the same way. Facts don't matter to them, never have mattered. Spinning whatever they can and even lying about whatever they need to to make it whoever their cause is, whoever their person of the day is they want to denigrate or the ones they want to build up. They just say anything and everything that they think they need to. Facts don't really matter. Apparently not. (laughs) And if we're talking about Fulton County, Georgia, we know the facts don't matter. I mean, about the only place I can think of more corrupt is maybe, uh, I don't know, Shreveport, Louisiana, someplace <laughs> like that anyway. <laughs> Not Shreveport. I don't think we have enough of that to go around here. Well, Steve, in the last week, there have been some really big things that have happened for you. Why don't you give us kind of a, a skim? Give us kind of a, a synopsis Ooh. of what, it, what, what what's happened. Yeah, we left off last week, didn't we? We, I I guess it wasn't really a cliffhanger, uh, although I'm hanging on a cliff right now. I feel like (laughs) I've been hanging off of one for over over 20 months now, and I don't have any new information uh, in regards to my status and whether or not I'm going to be uh, charged by the Department of Justice for my journalism on January 6th. I will tell you, and this is something that not very many people do, but I did it with my attorney yesterday. We went to the FBI field office here in Raleigh, and we confronted the FBI agent that is investigating me. Oh, my God. I got to hear this. I got to hear about this. (laughs) I didn't know you were going to do that. Well, uh, I called called my my local Raleigh attorney, and I said, hey, um, let's let's go get a beer. And so this was on, uh, I can't remember, the Saturday night or Sunday night. Maybe it was Saturday night. And so... He met me at an Irish pub and we threw back a couple of Guinness together. And in the process of doing so, I told him that I wanted to go ahead and I wanted per the subpoena. I had the option of doing two things. I could submit myself to the grand jury uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, this is, that would be the 16th in DC, or I could pass off the uh, subpoenaed videos to uh, the agent in, in charge of my case right here at the local field office. And it's the same agent that interviewed me, one of the two agents that interviewed me, uh, uh, well, almost two years ago now. And so the, uh, uh, 
<laughs> the long and the short of it was, is he emailed or texted, whichever one, he contacted the, the agent on Sunday and then he agreed to meet us yesterday morning out in the parking lot of the field office. And when we let him know they were there, we walked up, he came through the big, you know, iron security gate that wraps around these types of uh, facilities. And he came out and uh, shook our hands and we had, I had the flash drive in one hand and we had the document documents that were uh, needed to be handed over. My attorney had those. And before I gave him the flash drive, I basically just laid into him for about 15 minutes and asked him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why? I, I went through a litany of questions related to my case, going all the way back to the fact in uh, November of 2021 that they were going to uh, file charges against me for <laughs> interstate racketeering, of all things. Nobody in all of the thousand plus January 6th cases has anybody been charged with interstate racketeering. So this was just absurd on its face when they hit us with that back uh, two years ago. And and he just shrugged like he didn't know. And he told me, yeah, I, I don't know. And I said, no, that's not true. I said, you do know. I said, I've seen too many of these cases. I have been intimately involved with too many of these cases. I have read hundreds of charging documents of January 6th cases. And in every single incident, I said the charging documents are prepared by the FBI agent who does the interview, who does the investigation and submits their recommendation to the Department of Justice itself and tells them what they think uh, the defendant has done that qualifies them to be charged. I said, so you do know. And he just shrugged. You know, he's not going to answer any questions directly, which he didn't. But the one thing that we did, of course, uh, ultimately surmise and get out of that 15, 20 minute conversation that I had with him was that when I say had a conversation, uh, I guess it would be better uh, characterized as my 15 or 20 minute diatribe was that um, it, it's very evident that they are working on some sort of, you know, probably a process crime. He did even blink at one moment and kind of we talked about the new uh, contempt of Congress charge that have been placed on so many of these basic misdemeanor uh, tras trespassing defendants that they're adding this felony charge onto them because so many people on the left, both in the media and the grassroots Democrats who want to see us all, you know, strung up in the gallows or, or like, like they say about me on my social media feeds, they want to see me spending the rest of my life in Guantanamo being waterboarded every day. And, you know, so the, those types of people are demanding stiffer, harsher penalties for these January 6th defendants. They, they're, they're upset that the grandma or the, you know, young couple that wandered through for 10 minutes and took a couple selfies are getting off with two years probation and a thousand dollar fine. That's not the pound of flesh they want to see the DOJ handing out to these people who quote unquote, you know, um, raised the Capitol and, you know, stormed the Capitol, the insurrectionists. And so they've started adding this uh, contempt of Congress felony or not contempt, I'm sorry, obstruction of con Congress felony onto the, uh, onto these charges. And so many of these people that were not charged with that in the first two years are being charged with that now. And so when I said that to him, he kind of, you know, he kind of, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know, that's, that's always possible because he keeps, he kept alluding to that, you know, you know, I, I just think that, you know, if, if, if they do charge you, it's just going to be the, the four misdemeanors. And I said, you know, bull crap, not using the word crap. I said, I said, 
grand juries are not seated. They're not convened for misdemeanor charges. They're convened for felony charges. And he just shrugged again. So, you know, I, I, I did that. Uh, I don't regret having that confrontation with him. I did not record it. I didn't, you know, uh, make, uh, I'm certainly not going to make that available, you know, cause I don't have it in any way, shape or form to put that out there into the public so that they can hear what I said to him. But my, my attorney was standing right there and he heard my attorney heard the promises from this FBI agent that he would not order a SWAT team to come to my, um, my house. He said, that's not going to happen. He said, if you were charged, he said, you guys have been wholly cooperative with us for two years. And he said, if they, if I get the notice from the DOJ that charges are going to be filed, whatever those charges are, you don't have to worry about the red dots coming through your window. We're not going to storm your house at six o'clock in the morning. We're not going to uh, pick you up in a Walmart parking lot. He actually said that. Uh, we're going to notify your attorney and then we'll set an appropriate time uh, based on you know, your schedule and hours for you to come down here and, and you'll be processed. processed. Uh, so that's what I've been told. That's what I know. That's pretty much the update on my case itself at this moment. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I got a call from my sister yesterday and she was calling just to tell me that she was praying for me and that she had been at some conference in South Carolina uh, ministry conference and she had gotten all the prayer warriors together to pray for me. And I, you know, she you know asked me how I was doing and I said, Honestly, Cheryl, I said, my prayer is, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it, Dan. Yeah. Well, just so you know, this morning, you know, I do a 6 a.m. prayer meeting, 6 to 6.30 every Monday through Friday at our church with one of our pastors. And this morning we had a special guest join us on our little panel, a guy named Steve also, friend of yours. (laughs) Steve was there, and uh, at the very end of prayer, when we were wrapping it up, we prayed for you specifically in Steve Munz, your longtime buddy and musical partner for a long time. He prayed for My you. My youth pastor back in, all the way back in the 70s. That's a long time ago. Are you that old? Yeah, well, I, well, he is. <laughs> yeah, he's older than you and me. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, hey, everybody, everybody that I know knows who Steve Baker is, and everybody's in your corner. And listen, it boils down to this. I don't know if – I know you were on with Glenn Beck before you came live with us this morning, Mm -hmm. and you probably didn't get a chance to hear it, but Dunstan Teo, I played a segment from a live interview that we did. He was in – I don't, I don't remember where he was. He was somewhere in Southeast Asia that day. But he called in and he, we talked about the corruption in the Biden administration. And one particular thing was the debacle of FTX and Sam Bankman Freed and that scam mm-hmm. that he pulled on the American people. But Dunstan called me the day before we did that live interview to say, hey, listen, here's some facts I don't know if you want to put it out to your people or if you want me to come on and put it out to the people. A bunch of the money, billions, that the United States sent in the early days to Ukraine was all turned into cryptocurrency and was all in the hands of FTX. And not all the money ended up going to Ukraine. And he named it. Some of it went 
to the Clintons. A bunch of it went to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign. There's corruption everywhere. There's evil everywhere. And why our FBI, why our Department of Justice would feel it's necessary to turn on its own citizens and attack good taxpaying citizens for doing something so trivial as going to Washington, D.C. And yes, it was on a day when every American knew there was going to be a bunch of really big stuff happen. But nobody, nobody in their right mind credibly felt like there was going to be a real insurrection, which there wasn't, but a real riot or whatever you want to call it. Did it get to that level? You were there. You'd have to make that call for me. Mm -hmm. But very few people went there purposely to try to overthrow our government. And everybody knows that. But the elite that are scared to death of the orange man getting back in the White House, they're the ones that had to find a way to create an environment where even if he ever did get to that point, he would never be able to succeed because his succeeding, and if anybody, any conservative in government succeeds in Washington, D.C., it will destroy their long-term objectives, which is all around a world in which the left controls everything in our lives. That's what this whole thing is about. Well, that's exactly what they want, Dan. They, and, and look, this is so far beyond conspiracy theory. Get rid of the word theory. This is, in fact, a high-level conspiracy of a global nature to end our individual freedoms, our individual sovereignty over our own bodies of our own minds, our own thoughts, uh, that they're, they're saying these things openly, you know, with their outside voices, as I like to say, this is not hidden anymore. Uh, all we have to do is listen to the words that they say, and then just follow the trails and to follow the tracks of what they're doing as they put these, uh, these new laws, these new restrictions, these new, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's about, uh, COVID, uh, remediation or it's, climate chaos to save uh, humanity and save the world. They're, they're putting everything in place for the express purpose of eliminating. And I did hear the end of that interview before uh, you gave me a call. And so I was able to hear him talk about, or hear you talk about the fact that, uh, look, cryptocurrency is, and may be, the blockchain may be one of the last vestiges of, of us being able to uh, perform and behave and talk and communicate and trade, buy and sell with any privacy whatsoever. Not that we're trying to buy and sell anything wrong or nefarious or evil or illegal, but it's the right to do so of our own accord and not have to seek permission for it based on our, ES, our personal ESG score. And whereas, as you pointed out rightfully, if we get this new digital dollar, then we show up at the grocery store and there's something we want to buy and they go, oh, let's see, your blood, pre- your blood pressure today is such and such. You're not going to be able to buy bacon today. <laughs> or you want to go to the movie theater. You want to go see, oh, yeah. I don't know, Sound of Freedom. 
and you try to buy yeah. it with your digital card, and it denies your ability to do it. That is it denies the, your yeah. That's part of the plan, no that's doubt exactly about it. it. I mean, they're going to deny our ability to try. And this again, this is something they're saying with their outside voices. They're telling us openly that as they move that direction, they're going to eventually uh, uh, limit us to how many trips per year we can take, how many miles we can put on our car before the the car shuts off, how many, you know, it, whether it's electric or, or, or gasoline power, they'll be able to do that with the new technologies. They're, they're going to say, sorry, you can only uh, have one uh, overseas trip every five years, or you can only uh, travel to um, outside of your state three times a year. I'm, that's, these are the things they're actually saying out loud. And so we know that as this technology uh, is rolled out, you, again, you and I have talked about this before. You can't help but look at the back of the book and you start seeing at the back of the book where it says no man or no person will buy or sell. And that's because that's, that's what John the Revelator saw in his vision. He didn't know how to, he didn't know how to describe it with his first century mind and describe a 21st century technology, but that's what he was seeing. He just didn't understand the implement, implementation, so he just described it in the best manner that he could. And it's frighteningly accurate, unfortunately, for all of us living at the time that we're living in right now. You and I, being the men that we are, we're talking to a pretty significant-sized audience in multiple states. I hadn't looked this morning, probably all 50 states, except maybe the island of Maui. By the way, we need to continue <laughs> to pray for those poor people. My gosh. Yeah. Um, right. But everybody is wanting a seed of truth, something that they can build with and rely on. And nothing fiat. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We're told this is the way right. it is, and then we go try to exercise based upon what we've been told, and there's no there there. We need something solid. And I think the fear that is being perpetrated and driven by those on the left is to make us be afraid, to keep us in a fearful yeah. mode. Look at what yeah. we agreed to do and let them do with us and to us during our pandemic. They locked us down. And I believe Rand Paul, who's somebody you really like, I really like him, I think he hit the nail mm -hmm. on the head. They wanted to find out how much the American people were willing to give up to our government in the name of them taking care of us over a disease. And we failed the test, but they got their answers. Yeah. They're going well, to Rand is certainly one of the, yeah, Rand is certainly one of the small handful of guys that I trust on Capitol Hill. And I will tell you, you and I've talked about this before as well. And I and I I hate to even report this to the American people is that all of the inside voices that I'm speaking to now, and I'm talking about insiders inside the insiders, are continuing to give me this same number that there's really only something on the order of twelve to fifteen truly trustworthy individuals currently on Capitol Hill. Say that and again. We don't say that again. <laughs> that there's really only 
12 to 15 truly trustworthy people, elected officials on Capitol Hill. And I hear that over and over in multiple conversations. They all use the same number. They all use that kind of dozen, 12 to 15 number when we have these conversations. And those men and women who are trustworthy are fighting against a system that is, uh, I mean, it's obviously it's, it's big, it's dark, it's entrenched. We hear about the establishment. We hear about the deep state. We hear about rhinos. We hear all these phrases and expressions that tried to describe. And the most, again, I use this word frightening today is we're not even talking about the Democrats. We know who they are. We know what they have become. We know that they are, in fact, a neo-Marxist um, uh, party today. We know where they're trying to take us. The problem that we face and what is most frightening is how many on the right, how many with an R after their name, how many in the GOP are, in fact, part of that team, maybe not overtly, but complicit behind the scenes with moving our country in the direction where they're taking us. Because when it comes down to the votes for all these things that we're talking about right now, Dan, when it comes down to this implementation of this digital dollar, when it comes down to the implementation of restricting our travels, our movements, our conversations, when they limit who we can talk to, where we can go, what we can buy, and that kind of thing, unfortunately, because of the perception of security, the perception of saving the planet, the perception of uh, health care and, and making sure that we don't breathe on anybody else uh, improperly or carry a virus across a state line. They're going to start the process of locking these down and they're going to have the votes on the GOP side to put these into place. If we, the people, do not do something now, we have to shout it from the housetops. We have to get angry and vocal and loud in our social media accounts. We have to preach that in our church pulpits. We have to get out and we have to vote like we've never voted before. And that means not voting for the incumbent, except for that, you know, and everybody thinks maybe their guy is a good guy. So they're voting back in at 95, 98% of the time, but they're not. Just go start looking at their voting records. If you see a GOP candidate and his voting record is less than a nine a 90% like a Rand Paul or a Thomas Massey or uh, a uh, uh, Mike Lee or somebody like that. If you don't see them in the 90 percentile at the very least, you know, in the 80 to 90 percentile, then vote them out, primary them out and tell the people why they need to be primaried out because we have far, far too many. I mean, this is true, Dan. We have far too many of our um, elected officials on the GOP side who vote more often with the Democrats than they do with their own party. And we don't know that because, you know, more, more of the big significant votes that get all the press, they seem to vote in lockstep. But it's all of those little small bills that we never hear about that don't get the press. They're voting, they're voting with the left, and that's how they're sneaking this agenda by. You know what country has the safest election system on the planet? I'm going to blow your mind. It's Afghanistan. Oh, I, that was exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say Afghanistan. <laughs> and for those of you that are listening in, you've not heard me reference this before. The way they do it, they have your name on a sheet of paper. You have to just show and prove your identity. 
and then you get to vote. They hand you the ballot, you fill it out, hand it back to them, they put it in a box, nobody gets into that box until it's broken open at the end of election day. But to keep anybody and everybody from cheating, when you vote, they grab your hand and jab your forefinger into a bottle of ink that doesn't disappear. You can't wash it (laughs) off. So you can't go down the street and vote again or you get your head cut off if you try to do that. That's right. I don't think we need to get that extreme, but honestly... Steve, there are very few things, and when I say things, I'm talking about processes in our federal government that are safe and are kept from corruption right now. In fact, it's like everything is open game. If you can find a way to corruptly show us how we can garner more power and get enrichment, financial enrichment from it, hey, we're all in. Just tell us how to do it, and there will be plenty enough to go around. It doesn't matter what party you're affiliated with. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I'll tell you what, I am 100% in favor of dipping my finger in a jar of ink. If I have to walk around with a purple finger for a month after an election to secure our elections, I'm all for it. Well, the orange man, he said it from the very beginning. He's for paper ballots. And that's still not corrupt-free because it can be manipulated, as you know, but it would be a whole lot more trustworthy than the system we have now. Yeah, I understand. Just, let's, just, let's just adopt the voting systems of the majority of the nations in Europe because we always like to look to them anyway for examples of, you know, uh, democratic socialism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And none of those processes that were implemented because uh, ostensibly because of the COVID threat and, and because we wanted more people to be able to vote that were too scared to come to a polling place during the uh, pandemic of 2020. And so all of these things were implemented to make it uh, voting easier, more accessible to more people which basically means mail-in voting, which is the single most easily corruptible process in the world. And it's why that no advanced nation in Europe allows mail-in voting. And on top of that, every one of those nations require a voter ID. So let's just do what they do. Just start there. It's time for Americans to stop listening to those on the left that trumpet this fact that we're supposed to swallow, we're better than they are. We're much further ahead in technology than are they. So the way we do it is the way they're going to want to end up doing it because we're the United States of America and everybody knows we're better than themselves. Maybe that worked in the past, But I don't know. There are at least 75 million of us that don't agree with that, that voted for the orange man. (laughs) Uh, We can't get desperate in fearfulness. That worries me a lot because very seldom do human beings make good choices when fear is the driving factor. But it's time for us to act, Steve. It's time for us to get on our feet 
and make some things happen. And if it's just those things you just mentioned, if enough of us do it, we'll make a difference. I think it's interesting to see what happens every time Donald Trump, a new set of indictments have come down, what happens to his favorability and his support every single time. You know what's happening? Americans' eyes in large numbers are being opened because they see there's enough news out there, news that you do, news that we do here at TNN Live and Truth News Network. There's enough of that out there that when thinking, reasoning people hear and see something they question, it's fairly easy now, if you find a place to go, to go find the facts, at least a 180-degree alternative way of thinking about every one of these big issues. And most people, thank God, still have decent reasoning capabilities, and people can figure it out for themselves. Unless and until that happens in a large enough volume, we're going to continue to slide. But I believe in the American people. I think we are diligent. We are honest in the most part. And we are ready to get back to the rule of law and that equal justice under the law thing that we were always promised from the very beginning of this nation or whatever you want to call it. We got to take that back. We've got to. We've got to take it back from those other than the 12 to 15 of the 535 on Capitol Hill that you mentioned there. It just blows my mind. 15 out of 535 are in for doing the good stuff. That is scary. Mm -hmm. And the only way it'll change is when we, the people act. That's it. Well, you're headed, you're headed back to DC. What is the agenda? Well, I am, uh, as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I finish this, uh, uh, discussion with you right now, cause I've been, I've been going at it since early this morning as well, prepping. I, I I'm actually, will have my very first article, uh, published on blaze media today. Uh, so I was up early this morning going through, I have an editor now. It's frightening. Somebody trying to edit me is going to be a, uh, uh, full-time job. <laughs> well, you're, but, uh, hey, you're, you're from the South. So you'll say yes, ma'am, or yes, sir. Every time. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So I was going through, uh, my, my edited story this morning early and then prepping for, uh, my interview with Glenn, uh, here that we did uh, about the hour and a half ago. And then I will be, um, finally, uh, jumping in the shower, packing up my bags and getting all the stuff that I need for what I'm going to be doing up there. I'm going to be doing some more interviews of some, um, uh, well, we hope that one day they will be whistleblowers. Uh, these are individuals who have stories to tell about January 6th. I'm going to also be meeting with again, uh, staffers, uh, uh, on Capitol Hill, you know, Congress is in recess right now, but the staffers are working. So they're there, they are there. And then, uh, in addition to that, uh, there's a couple of, of friendly reporters that I'm going to be meeting with as well and talking about some, uh, I guess, collaborations uh, on certain things that we're, we're uncovering and that we're seeing and, and that need to, you know, have a, have a bigger voice. And I've, as I think, I don't remember whether we announced this last week or not, but I 
can tell you that the ink is dry now on the agreement, and I am now officially a contributor to Blaze Media. So um, uh, I'm blessed by that. I, you know, when I when I was given my Blaze Media um, email address, I, I felt like Steve Martin in The Jerk when he saw his name in the phone book. I'm jumping around going, I'm somebody, I'm somebody. <laughs> and, uh, so uh, so that, that has happened, and I uh, it was interesting that when Glenn was interviewing uh, former Capitol Police Lieutenant Tart Johnson yesterday, and at the end of that interview, Glenn was so confounded by some of the information that uh, Lieutenant Johnson had given him and he immediately said, he goes, well, I, 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 I've got to, I got to talk to our investigators about that. And of course, by that he met me and, uh, <laughs> I got I got a, I got a chuckle out of that when he said that. And then of course, sure enough, I mean, as soon as that interview was over yesterday morning, I got a message from Glenn's producer asking me to be on at 10 o'clock this morning, uh, uh, so that I could analyze that conversation for, for Glenn and break it down for him. So, um, that's that's kind of what I'm doing now. I'm I'm basically an investigative analyst for Blaze, and I, as I said, I'm I'm very honored, very blessed to be on that team because if we talk about good guys in in the media, um, nobody gets it a hundred percent right, but these guys are really trying, and when they get it wrong, they lead this they lead the next day with hey we got it wrong yesterday, you know, so I I appreciate that integrity, and it's why for a very long time that I had decided that if I was going to be less than independent in my journalism, that that was the company that I would want to work for. And that came true uh, in the last few days. Well, you were born into what I'm about to say. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So you're in the right place right now. I know you wanted to be in the right place if a change happens. So there you are, you're getting blessed. Hey, buddy, we're blessed to have you as part of our family, and we appreciate you being here. I know your obligations may change a little bit, but uh, every time you come, and as long as possible, we'd like to keep our once a week, at least once a week, scheduling together for you to come on this show. And anytime. We can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. Anytime in between, anything comes up, all you got to do is give me a shout. We will make that happen, even if it's not on a Tuesday. All right. Okay, thank you, Steve. Be careful driving, and let us know if any good stuff comes up. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it. Steve Baker, you know what? It's good to have good people around you, and he's one of them, one of those good folks. No doubt you've heard about this subliminal seduction nonsense. You know... Commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, Baron. Baron Saloon denies any use of this so-called mind control. Baron. After all, Baron's is seductive enough as it is. Get in your car and come right now. What with a 16-page dinner menu crammed with delectable items. You're starting to salivate. 30 dinner items under five dollars. And a happy hour that lasts from four till eight p.m. Obviously, Barron's has that rare combination of good food, Take out your wallet. good fun, Give us your money. and good prices. Give us your cash. So let's put this subliminal seduction nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Come to Barron's. You either want to come to Barron's, you do, you do. or you don't. But boy, oh boy, you do, you do. Barron's, 
Airport and South Academy. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman, TNN. Network. Isn't that a shame what Pete Moss just said? When speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act, it should be the other way around. Sadly, it's not. Well, let's get back to business as usual. CNN. CNN. I'm going to quote CNN. <laughs> CNN reported Sunday that lawyers for the 2020 presidential campaign of Donald Trump received a written invitation to inspect voting machines and software in Georgia's Coffee County, though that is not quite how CNN's headline portrayed it. In the CNN story, Trump is described as being implicated in a voting system breach, implying that he had personally hacked into voting systems or that his campaign had done so. But the breach happened after the election and appeared authorized. CNN's lead story on Sunday, here's the title of it. Listen to this. Messages show Trump's team behind voting system breach. Now, if you were just picking up your newspaper or scamming the news online and you saw that, what would you think? Messages show Trump's team behind voting system breach. The article itself connects the breach with an imminent indictment of Trump that happened late yesterday. The article's first paragraph drops a hint that the breach occurred in Georgia, not nationwide, and that it was not prior to the 2020 election or the 2024 election, but rather in the aftermath of the 2020 election when questions arose about potential fraud. It begins this way. Atlanta area prosecutors investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election in Georgia are in possession of text messages and emails directly connecting members of Trump's legal team to the early January 2021 voting system breach in Coffee County, sources tell CNN. Scrolling down further, later in the same article, six days before pro-Trump operatives gained unauthorized access to voting systems, the local elections official who allegedly helped facilitate the breach sent a written invitation to attorneys working for Trump, according to text messages obtained by CNN. On January 1, 2021, days ahead of the January 7 voting systems breach, Catherine Fries, an attorney working with Giuliani, 
Sidney Powell and other Trump allies shared a written invitation to examine voting systems in Coffee County with a group of Trump allies. CNN reports that it has not actually examined the invitation. Does that surprise you? Only that CNN has inferred its existence from other messages. <laughs> Facts matter to most of us. <laughs> Not so much to CNN. We haven't talked much about this horror show that plays out. It's getting worse and worse every day on Maui. If you've never been to the island of Maui, let me just say this. You have missed a treat. I've been there, I don't know, three or four times, different events, different times. Both Marianne's parents have passed away. My mother's passed away. Before any of the three of them passed away, we were honored to take them, all three of them, with us on a trip to Hawaii. And we spent a good portion of it right where this fire, this horrible fire, has stolen Lanai. We stayed right there. We had a great time. First time for any of the three of them to go to Hawaii. Hawaii's a great place. It's different. It's different. For those of us that live our life, our beach life on the Redneck Riviera in northwest Florida, Dustin or Gulf Shores, where that bleached white sand is and that really clear water, the clearest, the clearest water pretty much in the continental United States, and of course, no other beaches like that white sand. We kind of looked at the beaches in Hawaii a little differently when we got there. It was like, it's all brown. But there's just something about Hawaii. This wildfire thing out there, it's contrasted a tale of two presidents as Joe Biden appeared vacation-bound one more time while former President Donald Trump issued his own statement. As the confirmed death toll now is 100 and made the disaster the worst of its kind to impact the nation in a century, Joe Biden's administration was busy covering for their boss's callous no-comment statement when he was asked about by reporters, his comments on Maui, he hadn't said a word to that time about Maui. And when he was asked what he thought, he said no comment, even as they announced another week-long stint away from the White House. But as Joe was getting ready for a trip to Lake Tahoe, Trump was calling him out for another perceived failure in leadership. Crooked Joe Biden, the most incompetent president in the history of our country, with a laugh and a smile, said he had no comment on the death and the tragedy. This is in a message from Trump on Monday. He then clarified that it wasn't what Biden said, but how, as he critiqued, quote, to be smiling when you say it, especially against such a tragedy at this, is absolutely horrible and unacceptable. It's a disgraceful thing that Joe Biden refuses to help or comment on the tragedy in Maui, just as he refused to help or comment on the train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, for a very, very long time. As it happened after weeks of 
ignoring environmental disaster from a train derailment in Ohio. You remember that? Trump had personally ventured to East Palestine to deliver supplies and meet with the impacted Americans while Biden jetted off to Ukraine. A repeat of February looked to be happening now as it was reported by News 4, quote, according to the week ahead guidance released from the White House on Monday morning, the president is slated to arrive in Lake Tahoe on Friday, August 18th, where he will stick around until the following Thursday. Now, the White House hadn't said whether the trip is for business or personal. No major events are scheduled in the Lake Tahoe Basin as of Monday morning yesterday. In his message, former president spoke directly to those people in Maui, and he said this, I would like to express my sympathy, warmest regards to the people of Hawaii, and specifically all of those who've been so gravely and irreparably hurt by the tragedy of the wildfires in Maui, something the likes of which have seldom been seen anywhere at any time. The sad thing is it should never have happened. Our government was not prepared. And very importantly, the aftermath is going very poorly with the governor of the island wanting to do nothing but blame it on global warming and other things that just happened to pop into his head. This further contrasted Biden's social media account attempting to cover for his no-comment moment with a rundown of actions that FEMA was taking on the ground in Hawaii while he claimed, we're laser-focused on getting aid to survivors, including critical needs assistance. Listen to this. This is going to blow you away. This will prove how big the heart is of our sitting president, Joseph Biden. Our critical needs assistance that he authorized yesterday is a one-time $700 payment per household offering relief during an unimaginably difficult time. We have staff on the ground, he said, dedicated to helping survivors navigate the registration process. $700 a family for Maui. Oh, and by the way, this came on the heels of Joe announcing he's sending $200 million more million to Ukraine. So the Americans that live in Maui, that just most of those people lost everything they have, and over 100 lost their lives. Imagine what their families are dealing with. And our president, our magnanimous president, He's got such a massive, huge heart. He sent the most corrupt president on the planet, probably, Volodymyr Zelensky, who has already gotten a couple of hundred billion dollars of assistance from some of these people in Maui. He gets $200 million, and the people of Maui, most of who lost everything, get a one-time $700 payment, not per person, per household. $200 million in aid to Ukraine. Americans are questioning the decision. I don't need to tell you that. 
<laughs> there are no Americans out there that think the people of Ukraine should get another $200 million in military aid from us, especially in light of what's happening in Maui. I thought everybody that takes an oath of office when they're elected or even appointed to positions in our government, they swear in their oath to protect and defend the United States of America. That's their first thing. And Joe Biden just came off a week at the beach, another week at the beach. He's going to work for two or three days and then headed for another week. But this time he's going to one of the greatest places on earth. It's really nice. I love Lake Tahoe. I love it. It's different. It's not so far away, but the weather is always good. It's crisp and clear and cool in the mornings and the evening. And if you like the lake, Lake Tahoe is a really nice lake to get out on for water sports. But in light of people dying, burning to death in one of our 50 states, I don't even have to ask. You and I both know Donald Trump, if he was still in office, he'd be in Maui. He'd be there. Biden's going to Lake Tahoe. Don't need to say any more, do we? Some other news out there, I'm just scanning across. There's been no more news come out of substance this morning about the Georgia stuff. But very quietly in the background, there's more Biden administration news. Joe is beginning to discharge $39 billion of student debt for thousands of borrowers, according to Politico. Department of Education in July announced it's going to automatically forgive $39 billion of student loan debt for more than 804,000 borrowers who have been in repayments for more than 20 years. That's following a recent ruling by the Supreme Court that blocked the administration's plan to grant forgiveness to nearly 40 million Americans. Now it's only 804,000. Borrowers who had applied for the most recent student loan relief had until Sunday to opt out of the potential discharge program. The court, Supreme Court, ruled 6-3 in June that the Secretary of Education did not have the power to cancel up to $10,000 in student loan debt for non-Pell Grant recipients and up to twenty dollars for Pell Grant recipients. Department of Education later announced that in light of the court's ruling, the department would use the Higher Education Act and an expansion of income-driven repayment plans to forgive student loans. The new plan would slash payments for those making $32,800 or less annually to $0. And the new plan would not penalize borrowers who missed their loan payments within the first year, beginning October 1st. Now, Department of Education estimates, they tell us this, we don't know it, but they tell us the new plan will save borrowers an estimated $1,000 annually. The expansion of the income-driven repayment plans is estimated to cost you and I as much as $558.8 billion over the next 10 years. 
Now, let me just blow your mind. You want a little history lesson? When and where and how and who got the American taxpayer in the line of payment responsibility for any student loans? It has always been an operation of the private sector. You know, banks out there, lending institutions that have all the infrastructure in place, all the people, all the policies, and all the laws, by the way, to regulate every part of making loans and repaying loans. And by the way, banks are built so they have particular experts in a huge division of each bank that work with people for repayment of their loans. And they were doing a really darn good job until Barack Obama became president. And he very slyly talked enough people sitting in congressional seats by smooth-talking them, hey, you know what? We need to take that back in. These banks are not treating us our people, our citizens, the right way. There's graft, there's corruption out there, and we just need to take it back in. We're we're the United States of America. That's what we do best, take care of each other. And we know, oh, we know that the Obama-Biden administration, we do everything better than anybody in the private sector. And I'm paraphrasing, you know I am, but that's really what happened. And so they went out there and we bought all that debt from all these private institutions. We, the people, took total responsibility. And, of course, we have only experts working for us in our federal government. We see them every day. Oh, my gosh. People in the Biden administration, the IRS, the Department of the Treasury, the FBI, the CIA – They got it going on. They're taking care of us. Yeah, right. And so how are they taking care of us? You know that $588 million that we just told you it looks like you and I are on the hook to pay? That would have been those banks that would be on the hook to pay. And you know what? They probably would have gotten it all paid and gotten it all paid on time. Have you heard about the other big payment by the Biden administration? I bet you haven't. They signed a deal. Joe Biden signed a deal last Friday to transfer $6 billion to Iran in exchange for five American prisoners. $6 billion. And it's not. What is Tehran going to do? Because we gave them $6 billion and they give us five of our citizens back that were hostages, that they're going to bow at our feet and say, okay, we're going to do anything and everything you want us to, Mr. Biden. $6 billion. This exchange deal, it's highly unlikely to persuade Iran to make other compromises like restarting the nuclear de-escalation program that was signed in 2015 and has since evolved under the Biden administration, according to foreign policy experts. 
Additionally, the deal could encourage Iran to mem- to make take more Americans hostage in the hopes of getting future ransom payments. Just more and more Biden insanity giving away our tax dollars that you and I are stuck paying. That's a wrap on our show today, folks. You guys have a wonderful Tuesday. And stay with us. This is going to be a big week every day this week. Don't miss a show. We'll see you tomorrow morning. TNN Live. Sitting in a traffic jam. 11.52 p.m. Just a few miles south of Cincinnati, Ohio. I take my pen and start to write The thoughts that fill my head tonight Nothing terribly profound Just these simple words They keep my heart anchored down They keep my restless heart anchored down I do, I do, I do, I do believe Once again, I will say, I believe you're the light.